everyone welcome back to return to oz minute in case you haven't guessed we're the podcast that analyzes the 1985 film return to oz one minute at a time i'm tierney seal and i'm mike carlucci and i still don't have a giant emerald hanging from my ceiling as a light but we do have our special guest back to close out the week andrew hawthorne from uh, there's no time for heroics podcast Andrew, welcome to Friday. Thanks. Yeah, over at No Time for Heroics, we don't have emeralds hanging from the ceiling, too, because uh, they look like kryptonite yeah. when they're glowing. And that's just very uh, gauche on a superhero podcast to have kryptonite just lying around like that. I have a note. Um, I'm going to get out of the way. So minute 82 starts with Dorothy kind of evaluating this tunnel that leads to the Gnome King's palace. Um, it ends with Dorothy walking through the room. Um, I have a note for second zero, and it's something that <laughs> didn't catch my eye in this way last minute, even though I had mentioned it. Um, the pink tourmaline, or however that's pronounced, or quartz, or whatever it is, um, um, just, j- just look at it. It's kind of in a, um, in a shape. Uh-oh. Do, do you see what I mean? Um, I, I'm kind of wondering uh, if this is a little, they're not Easter eggs, but of the inappropriate variety. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. All right. Still. I'm gonna scrub through here. I think that's just uh, an unfortunate camera angle. Cause it looks like there's another rock in front of it. I think it's just, uh, you know, Frame by frame, occasionally. Okay. Occasionally, you're gonna I, get a weird I, angle. Okay, something. I'm I'm seeing what you're you're putting down <laughs> here, but uh, I I think yeah I think it's the camera because the cave is curving, so okay. I think it's probably it, a curvy it's cave. Not something I picked up on last minute, and we even mentioned this specific rock last minute, so it's not like yeah this is, this is not the cover of the Little Mermaid here, but I'm just. No. I'm just saying. <laughs> I I think I think it's I think it's a curvy cave, not a pervy cave. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on to my actual notes. I I'm, I'm really sorry that I had to take us to that place, but it, it, guys, if you look at minute 82 and freeze it on second 0, You'll see why I felt like just, this needed to be mentioned. We're just starting things off with a dong. But <laughs> I am a mature. Thank person, you. I swear. Um, oh my god. Um, my first note happened after that. Uh, the Gnome King has a new proposal. Dorothy could not guess. He'll leave the slippers to set, or he'll use the slippers to send her back home. She never has to worry about any of this again. Yeah, and this is is intense because uh, this ties into uh, what was going on in the last minute too. And I mentioned how I, I felt that it was it was very much the central theme of all of this of putting away like your childhood dreams and trying to be an adult and growing up. And what Dorothy was trying to do at the sanitarium to forget about Oz to obliterate Oz. 
And, and that's basically what he's saying. Like, listen, I'll send you home. You never have to think about Oz again. You'll never remember it. Um, and in the process of doing that, of course, I'm also going to destroy Oz. I'm going to kill all of your friends and, and, and things like that, which is what happened last time she left as we learned two minutes ago. I mean, the thing is, it, it's like the, the real taunt in his promise is that she'll never think about Oz again, which, you know, I, I kind of take a little bit of beef with, it wasn't Dorothy who was trying to forget about Oz. She was perfectly content with her memories and stories and wanting to see her friends again. It was all the adults in True. her life. And this is, this is what Auntie M wanted. This is the, the yeah. antipsychotic medication, not electric healing that would make her forget about Oz. That would get rid of all those terrible dreams you've been having. Um, well, she was being tormented by her memory, right? I, I don't think she wanted to forget about Oz, but she she was very bothered that sh this thing had happened to her and she couldn't connect with it. And she didn't know if she her mind was playing tricks on her. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, you'll never have to worry about that again. Hmm. Except then he delivers the most creepy reading of the line, there's no place like home that I've ever heard. Uh, Man, Disney just wishes it owned that movie. <laughs> They're reclaiming it, making it their own. Uh, but yeah. well, I, we and we'll get into all this. But uh, just for those who are worried by what we're saying, I did say it ends with her walking through a room. It's it's the palace. She turns and she goes into the palace because Dorothy Gale is not a psychopath who would lead two guys she just met, a sofa being she made, and her favorite chicken to here, and then leave them to rot in Oz <laughs> for the rest of eternity. Yeah, at least one of those guys isn't even alive. Like, two of them are technically alive because they were magically brought that way. Mm -hmm. Belinda's really the only uh, casualty here. No, she made... She was their general. She led them. And she's not... She's leaving no magical being or chicken behind. <laughs> um, or robot. Or robot, yes. Uh, that's right. He's not a magical being. He's a robot. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, this is Dorothy's big heroic moment and then yeah so so she resists the temptation that the gnome king is lying down here or laying down here Ugh, can't talk once again the gnome king wearing ruby slippers just looks absolutely ridiculous <laughs> so glad you said that um so i have mentioned previously and mikey's been like wait how is that possible that i had very little memory of the gnome king from watching this as a kid for some reason, I remembered the palace. He doesn't figure, really. But, like, well, Mombi made a bigger impression for obvious reasons. And then I I remembered them being a kid. I just didn't really, like, it never clicked for me. And so I definitely didn't remember the Ruby Slippers reveal. And it's just rewatching it as an adult. You just have to laugh. Like, it's so hard to take seriously. And, I mean, you know, Mombi is such a big character, but the Gnome King is literally the set for most of this scene. <laughs> he's only kind of a character in these last couple of minutes, and then he's gone. And even by the end, I mean, spoilers, but by the end of the movie, it's Mombi locked up in a cage there. Like, haha, we've defeated evil. There's yeah. Mombi. And, and we don't talk about the Gnome King again. So yeah. I could see why you'd barely even remember him. <laughs> Even though he's technically the chief antagonist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and for a lot of it, we only hear, him. hear the gnome. Yeah, like as you were saying, we only hear the gnome king on the other end of a conversation with his minions. Oh. Yeah. But, 
No, no one who says there's no place like home like that is a good guy, though. <laughs> like taunting her? It's so mean. That's just mean, Gnome King. Well, he's a bad guy. It's a Disney movie. Oh. They have to make sure that's clear. <laughs> well, yep. he's the bad guy who says the iconic line from the first movie and wears the ruby slippers. Like, as much as Disney well, here's the thing, saying, so remember Re- Wizard of Oz, we're a sequel, they're also saying, we're nothing like it. Yeah, they're mocking the Wizard of Oz. But here's here's a question, too. So he's wearing the ruby slippers. He says the line. Why doesn't he disappear and reappear in Kansas? He doesn't click his heels together. Oh, oh. that's right. Yeah. And I yeah. think there was a repeat. I mean, that's dangerous. You'd think... <laughs> You'd think that you'd you'd want to avoid saying there's no place like home if you happen to be wearing ruby slippers at the time. You don't know where you'd end up. <laughs> well, he ends up lecturing to Auntie M in Kansas somewhere about emeralds. Oh my god, that would be amazing. No, maybe this is where he was born. So maybe he did flip. Oh yeah, but it's just the same space. <laughs> he just moves to the the next room over. <laughs> That's his home. This is his throne room. Uh. But- yeah, he just awkwardly shuffles back into the room and gets back on the throne. Apologizes. Oh, I hate it when yeah. that happens. Like the, like, like the president having the West Wing. It would it'd be something like yeah. that. <laughs> he just walks back in. <laughs> I love this. Um, and uh, the minute ends with us finally seeing one of my favorite elements from this movie, hands down. The thing I remembered the most, the thing that I reenacted the most as many times as I pretended that my sofa could fly, and it was the gump, and it was great. A bunch of, a bunch of pink tourmaline shaped like no, a the gong? end of the minute. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, thanks for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was obsessed with this palace as a kid. I think I just... Had, yeah, this is great. I knew too many houses that like the attic looked like this with everything everywhere. Um, I'm trying to see. I don't think there's a listing for just like prop master for this movie, which is what I really want to know. Um, they must have spent a lot of time like antiquing to build this set. Yeah. This looks like a Bombay company. There, there's a lot going on in here. It is, and it's so good. Like it looks good. Um, yeah. Even though it's mixing everything so much Ugh. and as I, I i mentioned in an earlier moment like after watching this and i and i only watched it the one time in theaters and <laughs> didn't watch it again for many many years um every time i was in a room full of knickknacks <laughs> i'd be touching things going to oz yeah. and still do un- like reflexively whenever i'm in an antique store I'm like i don't know oz just you, you just and see i would have killed myself 20 times over by now <laughs> I just wish it gives so much and we don't get to even see that much of it this minute, but we see enough to know that this is going to be impressive. I love these. Well, they make me sad, but I love the dog statues on either side of the entrance. Yeah. It's a nice touch. I I love the walls behind the dog statues because they look like they've been carved out by hand. Like, we just saw the hand doors back there. And there's different kinds of structures here. We've seen this rough cave that the king is in. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the, the both the tunnel Mombi is in and the tunnel Dorothy used to get down to this room. But this room is, is a mixture of this finely crafted, like, traditional brickwork and stone. Mm-hmm. And these clawed out walls that you could imagine the gnomes, 
like scratching out to to carve this room into the rock. Well, they remind me a lot, and and maybe this is showing my age. They feel very eighties the way the walls are textured. Yeah. I oh, absolutely. I don't think of the claws for that. My first thought was someone got really into like doing their stucco phase themselves or something. It's not stucco, but you know what I mean. Yeah, this looks like hotels. This looks like a lot of hotels I stayed in when I was six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if uh, if Darien and Wall Street had made this room, these walls would be the same. Yeah. Yeah, it looks so good. Um, and we're going to see... I'm trying to tell if that's just a table or like a harpsichord on the right. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see more, but... I just, I'm so excited. Yeah, you guys get to see a lot more of this. This is all I get of this room. Just a little, just a little peek. Um, just, it's interesting though get, when you, oh, sorry. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, just since this is all you get, where do you think the Gnome King gets this stuff? I mean, you know, I assume, I think when I was a kid that like all of this is more people like from, you know, that we, we, we find out the logistics of which ones of these people are from Oz um, later on, but maybe the rest of them are just from other places the Gnome King has, has conquered. Maybe a lot of these are citizens of Ev. Maybe there's some of the people from Id. Like, there's all these different kingdoms around Oz that, um, you know, who knows? But on the other hand, you know, uh, the, the entire economy of the Gnomes appears to be about precious jewels and metals. He's very jealous about his emeralds earlier. So maybe this is just what they do in their spare time. They kind of craft this <laughs> stuff. That's a less gruesome way to think about it anyway. Well, I, I will say I do know in the uh, in the books, I, I only know Oz and Ev, but there was a difference in, in how you could tell where what objects were from. Uh, so I like the idea that there are enough different lands that he's just got a collection of everything. Um, because we also yeah, don't he's know peopling how his treasure room. Like, no, this it's still pretty gruesome how many objects there are. But if if he's been doing this for centuries, that's not as much. You know, he didn't just yeah. And I think week. <laughs> and I think at at some point it's stated that gnomes are are functionally immortal except for one thing. And uh, and and so in theory he could have been doing this for a very long time. Yeah, that that makes it a little bit better, doesn't it? <laughs> Instead of just emptying a city, he like, oh, this is over many, many years. You know, I just took a kid here, took a, a bunch of dancing girls here yeah. and there. The odd anthropomorphic scarecrow. <laughs> it's weird because the Gnome King is the one who turned all the citizens of the Emerald City to stone. But people who come to his yes. palace get turned into ornaments. And he is stone. So, like, yeah. is this an insult to for him or is he like hey you guys would be a lot better off if you were stone right you you appreciate this don't you yeah there's some weird logic disconnect that i didn't think of until now yeah yeah because it makes sense that like his magic power the stone guy can turn people into stone but this is a totally different magic going on is this magic yeah. because of the ruby slippers in which case he hasn't been doing it as long as he's been Gnome King. That's disturbing. Hmm. Um, the only disturbing thing in this movie. Yeah, that's the only yeah, one. Definitely. Um, speaking of, of 80s and, and set decoration and stuff, one of, one of the other interesting things 
about this movie is that it was part of kind of a duology that Disney did in the middle of the of the 80s trying out uh, something new. I don't know if you guys talked about this, but um, Disney, they, they did this a couple times in the in the late 70s, early 80s. They did uh, two science fiction movies with more adult themes to try to branch out from the Disney brand. And those were Tron and the Black Hole. <sighs> And neither of those did very well, and and people still kind of like Tron, but um, but the black hole not so much. And they were basically doing the same thing in the mid '80s with like high end physical effect fantasy movies. And they made two movies. They made this one, and they made another one called Baby: Secret of the Lost Legend. <coughs> and I nobody has seen that movie either, and I absolutely love that movie. It was it. it's it's. It's a movie, uh, it's it's like an Indiana Jones kind of pastiche where um, uh, uh, the, the this paleontologist, or this, uh, yeah, paleontologist is in, in the heart of Africa trying to find a living brontosaurus. As you and, do. Uh, and there's like, yeah, and there's full scale, like just giant dinosaur robots, uh, basically, not in the context of the movie, but the puppets that they're using just trashing through the forest and trampling villages. And it, it's a really good movie that nobody liked and vanished very quickly after it showed up. If it was ever on TV, I would have watched the crap yeah. out of that as a kid. If you can find it, it's worth oh, watching. Nice. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, this, this sounds pretty neat. I mean, dinosaurs. <laughs> I, I was in. <laughs> That's all it needed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a really good movie. You should go find it. Yeah, I love the practical effects era, kind of. I, I also do a podcast just like this one for The NeverEnding Story. Uh, so Yeah, that's a yeah, great example about, of this. All about the puppets and giant things. Um, one thing I wanted to say, because I was looking through the credits just to make sure that I hadn't magically missed a credit that would tell me who put all this together, but... I think you're right. Maybe they just sent the entire, like, design department out antiquing. Or, like, go, get the stuff. Uh, yeah. Do, do any of you have a grandmother? Please empty her house into this yeah. warehouse. So, I, I guess, okay, fine. Um, and I was scrolling through, and, you know, he's definitely come up, but we haven't really talked about him much. Uh, Will Vinton, who was the claymation director, and just because we've talked about uh the archway and the hands that lead into this so much this minute um one thing i had not realized which uh, just if you don't know who we're talking about just look up will vinton he's fantastic um tons of claymation stuff he was only 38 when he made this movie wow i think of him as being this older guy because like oh well the head of the director of these amazing practical effects must have been no no He's only a few years older than me. I don't know that I like this anymore. <laughs> it's making me feel very Yeah, what am I doing with my yeah. life? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know Feruza Bulk was young, but that kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah. Wow, I, I could have been scarring so many children with my time. <laughs> and I'm sure having a good time in the meantime. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a trip. Uh. Not as much claymation in this minute, but I just, I know he's been mentioned before, but I realized I had not given him a, a proper shout out, as I like to say. <laughs> um, 
And if you were involved in uh, sourcing the props for this room, then I'm just going to doff my cap as TikTok would and say thank you very much because it's great. And I would also like to doff my cap to our guest this week, Andrew. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. It's it's so nice. Yeah, I I love this movie. It's a great movie. I love that you're doing this. We love hearing that. Um, we always do say, however, on the last, uh, on the Friday episode, if there's something you want to talk about outside of these minutes, cause I know, you know, you are limited to these five minutes. Um, I know you had mentioned a little bit, so we haven't totally spoiled who that Ozma in the mirror is just to, okay. we, we, who's that Ozma in we, the mirror. We, we know Mommy was talking to a ghosty figure that she addressed as Ozma. But but right. that's that's the only thing that we still we don't really have a spoiler policy because again, this this is a movie from nineteen eighty five, so we figure I just like saying spoiler every once in a while. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about the future. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we like to loosen up a bit on Fridays since we know people usually have a lot to oh, talk man. about other than just the five minutes we cover. Yeah, anything It's business casual Friday. Yes, exactly. Wow, that's great. I, I mean, I, I find Ozma particularly a fascinating character, and it's not really a spoiler for this movie because they don't go this direction. <laughs> but um, as I, I hinted in, in the previous books, you know, Ozma is, is mentioned in, I think it's The Marvelous Land of Oz, but... Um, but one of the main characters of that book is a, a little boy named Tip, and and you're following him. He is is kind of a slave to Mombi, that version of Mombi, who lives in like a hut. And uh, and and the basic plot of that is he he ends up creating Jack. He steals Mombi's powder, just like in this movie, and creating Jack and uh, and maybe the Gump at that point too. And uh, and they escape from Mombi together before encountering you know Dorothy and and all that. And through the jigs and the reels at the end of the book, um, they, like they're searching for Ozma, who is the rightful ruler of Oz from before the wizard's time and, and all of this and and don't know where she is and, and need to like if they're going to save and protect Oz, they need to restore her to the throne. Very similar to this one. But at the end of the book, it turns out that Ozma is tip. Uh, Ozma, the young girl queen, was cursed by Mombi and turned into a boy. So nobody could find her. And. It's it's a really fascinating like play on 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 gender and 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 weirdness because and especially like matriarchal themes which run throughout the Oz books, um, and you know we talked about Rocky Horror and 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 gender weirdness earlier, but but Ozma is she I I don't think she's the first trans character or protagonist in fiction because there's you know in in ancient Greek times there were stories of of people who returned from from men to women or, or vice versa. But um, what's fascinating about Ozma and Tip is that at the end of the book, Tip is given a choice to become a woman. Like Tip's, a, you know, like Tip is presented maybe even by Glinda um, as, as you know, Ozma is the ruler of Oz and you are Ozma, but it's up to you if you want to go back to being Ozma or, you know, like as far as you know and remember, you've always been a little boy named Tip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the choice is up to you and, and he has to, and there's a scene where tip basically has to go into another room and just figure out if he'd like to stop being a boy and instead become Ozma, this girl. And, and of course he does, but it's, 
as a kid, this was really, it wasn't disturbing so much as profoundly affecting because I'd never thought of gender this way. And, um, and, and in addition to that, you know, there, there's, there's more layered to it because of the way Baum structured these in that it's not that he's, um, like giving up maleness to assume femaleness or something like that. He's actually becoming like, like in, in giving up his masculinity to become a, a girl and a woman, he's becoming the ruler of Oz. He like, he is gaining power in womanhood. And so there's a lot more underlying the transition into becoming Ozma at the end of that book than you would really think. Mm. And that's not really here in this movie. And, and, and there's lots of reasons for that. I, I don't think it's just like, oh, kids yeah. can't handle it. I, I think it's just they chose to go a different Too plot direction. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, like we got enough in this movie. That's okay. <laughs> we just went through a room full of severed heads. <laughs> but um, but it's just it, it's one of the most fascinating things in children's literature. And I think the MGM musical uh, Wizard of Oz really overshadowed the books in a lot of ways. Mm. And and it's a shame because they go in such crazy subversive and 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 thoughtful directions in later books and and no less than Ozma uh who who is just a really incredible character <sighs> ha like a guest brought it up <laughs> I got really into like analyzing what? identity when the gump was created and started complaining about how he just wanted to be ahead didn't want to be on a sofa and like what what is the gump scene? And also remembers his own yeah. death. Uh, by the way, like he he remembers dying, and and now he's like, well, I'm ahead. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, the gump the gump has had a he's had a lot happen to him all off screen, and he just he just is rolling with it. Yeah, he's just going. Yeah. Whatever. I'm a gump. So. Very laid back guy. The gump. Not so much Jack. Not laid back at all. No. So it's not a. Uh, uh, a property of the life powder powders, but yeah. the Gump, I yes. I do think Jack the Gump and TikTok all embody different strengths and weaknesses really well in a way that I think the MGM musical wanted to do with the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. Like, oh, here are your three archetypes, but they're not. Like, no, they don't play that way in the movie at all. Yeah, like no one is that way. We all know people who are, like, really well-meaning, not always the smartest, but, you know, maybe they'll get lucky, you know, and and they always are doing their best, they are super loyal and looking out for each other, and then, you know, the gump is sarcastic, and it's just, they're so much realer than the characters in the 1939 movie, which is funny since those were played by people in costumes. (laughs) Yeah, but you know when you look at that movie, and I love that movie, but you know the Cowardly Lion is cowardly. But there's really no difference between the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodsman in the way that they're being played. Mm. Like the Tin, the Scarecrow doesn't come across as particularly dumb and in need of a brain, and and the the Tin Woodsman never comes across as in need of a heart or feeling yeah. or whatever the metaphor for that would be. So you you know that those kind of archetypes don't really work out they're great performances yeah. but it's not the same as in this movie where these are are three very different characters that are helping dorothy in very di- different directions yeah yeah um four if you can't the chicken <laughs> belina's in a league of her own <laughs> oh man um and i'm trying to think if we have 
anything else to say about this particular week? I know I'm good, but Mike, are you okay? My think works have wound uh, down on, on well, this week. I, I I'm just laughing because, so I have my notes written in a spreadsheet with each minute, and I can see the next minute note is in all capital letters. And don't worry, you're not going to have to bleep it because it's the abbreviation. TikTok is a sneaky mofo and I love it. <laughs> oh, TikTok so... is so great. Thank you so much for having me on for TikTok minutes. I, I love TikTok. And I love this TikTok. I love, you know, in, in the annals of movie robots, uh, he, he might be my favorite. And and edging out ever so slightly uh, Johnny Five from Short Circuit, oh, also a physical effect from the 80s. My dad is still quoting that movie which i love because now so many of his uh workers uh are too young to get the reference so they think it's just something he says weirdly johnny five still alive when he says that their mother is a snowblower oh. or something yeah no he, he likes him that still alive maybe that's from the sequel but um yeah sorry i just <laughs> that is short circuit's a good <laughs> one it's very enjoyable but I don't know. It's it's great, but this TikTok is incredible. Do, uh, yeah, do you have any favorite movie robots? That's. I mean, most people I think would go to R two D two or C three PO. That's but. what I'm thinking of now. Um, they've come up the most now. Technically, uh, there's a whole argument about this because I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about favorite robots, and someone sa- said uh, Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I was yeah. like, "But he's an yeah, android." There's a whole thing or is like you can't just say data's your favorite robot that's weird like that's not i don't know and it's a cop-out like yeah everybody loves data we get it yeah i, I mean and, and he says at one point to someone i'm an android not a robot yeah so yeah i mean they had very good reasons yeah and and the difference and anticipating this argument on this podcast <laughs> i i made sure to look up the difference <laughs> and and so an android is is particularly anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. So uh, a robot is any kind of uh, machine in this respect. Like we have robots now in the world that build cars yeah. and and do things. But um, but an android is a robot designed specifically to look like a human mm-hmm. being. Um, so you know you can you can argue that C three PO is an android or or a, a Maria from Metropolis, yeah. uh, and Data especially is an android. But yeah. TikTok. Uh, not so much. And and TikTok is very proud of this. He says he's not alive, like, thank goodness yeah. or whatever at some point. Yeah, that's so. what I was always heard. Like, C-3PO is a droid, R2-D2 is not. But not by, by yeah, our I, definition. And now, technically, yeah. Um, TikTok's mustache, however, yeah. is the mustache of an android. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> he, you know, he still has two legs and two arms and stuff, so there's arguments to be made. Yeah, but but I, I count TikTok as a, as a robot full on. Yeah. Now I don't know because that's an excellent point. Because they have um, it, it just wrapped up its tour, but the Prudential Center in Boston for a while had it's a robot that did security that was going around in the hallways, and it was kind of shaped like a oh, pod, is that not a human? Oh, is that the one that ended up in the fountain? No, ours. Oh, where was that? Same, same model, yeah. but that was in DC. Okay. Okay. Yeah, same model though. I didn't realize he wasn't staying. No, he was temporary. Um, they oh. tweeted a few days yeah. ago a picture of him being like, you know, escorted out for the last day. <laughs> he looked a lot like the robot in 
the black hole. The uh, he had the same kind of face, I think, as as that okay. robot. That, oh, Doctor Who has some good robots over the years. Oh sure, the Daleks. Yeah, those aren't. They're kind of cyborgs, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, they're. Hmm. But the Daleks have like a fleshy part inside, do they not? I haven't watched a lot of Doctor Who, but like, isn't there an alien in there? Yeah, Am I wrong about definitely that? Definitely sometimes, yes. I would have to look more into if that's always true. <laughs> that's the hard thing about yeah. Doctor Who. <laughs> it's like, I, I know I have seen that. Yeah, but I, I can't. I mean, outside of, of movies about a lot of robots, like, you know, Transformers or yeah. something, I uh, I can't think of a lot of other robots that I, I have as much fondness for as, uh, as as TikTok. He's incredible. We mentioned Flight of the Navigator at some point, and, and yeah. the, the ship in Flight of the Navigator is a really good one, oh, too. I didn't realize that was a robot. Huh. He's kind of a robot. I haven't. I, I only know because uh, my co-host on The NeverEnding Minute like that's one of his favorite movies of all time. He talks about it. Yeah. Flight of the Navigator. It's a good movie. Um, so I'll have to check that out at some point. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna come up. With or if we're sticking in the eighties, like there's there's Kit from Knight Rider. That's mm-hmm. he's kind of a robot, I guess. Not really. He's more of a car. <laughs> well, but see, this is the argument that you end up in because I'm now thinking of so many things. Where I'm like, well, it's not really a robot though, and. Inspector Gadget is a man with attachments, not a robot. He's a cyborg. Yeah. yeah. Cyborg. That's a totally different thing. I, it's weird to me to think back on how much joy Inspector Gadget cartoon brought me as a child. Um, oh, yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Someone mentioned Dr. Claw the other day, and I just went down a spiral of like, man, I really loved that show. Um, but you're right. That's a different That's a different thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're many 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 examples um quick shout out to uh oh i can't remember his character's name but alan rickman voiced him in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy he was a fun robot as well oh marvin Marvin. the paranoid android yeah um and many 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 others but yeah we're the return to oz podcast so we're gonna we're gonna give it to tiktok (laughs) i'm giving it to tiktok yeah all right um uh, some robots plug into the walls. Do your plugs, Andrew. That was a terrible transition. <laughs> Yay! Well, I'm from the No Time for Heroics podcast. That was a great transition. <laughs> and uh, and so we talk about superheroes uh, as much as we can. And you can check our stuff out over there. I don't know that we've talked about a lot of robots, but uh, but you know, it's nice to get a chance. And also, I have a Movies by Minute podcast that's going to be coming out soon, I hope. Um, called Monster Squad Minute, where we look at the movie The Monster Squad, also an 80s classic, one minute at a time. And so uh, just uh, keep an eye on that. We'll announce that over on NoTimeForHeroics.com as well. Not to be confused with the Monstar Squad from the movie Space Jam, which I think is no. cry out. Yeah, no, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that no one else also immediately thinks of that when they hear that term. Uh, yeah, no, that will be awesome. I'll be so exciting. And then you too can find weird things that you never noticed before until you were looking at something minute by minute. Yeah, it's a format rife with that. Yes. Can't help it. And some some people try and resist and I'm like, now just give in to the madness. I clearly did. You know, I, I thought, obviously Star Wars Minute was my first one. And, uh, and I thought when you hear about it initially, you think this is a really stupid idea. I love Star Wars. I can't. 
I can't listen to them talk about a minute of it. But it really works. And obviously, if you're on minute whatever, 82 of Return to Oz minute, then you, you already think it really <laughs> works. But what I love most about this format isn't even the minutia of analysis that you get to. It's that... You know, you want a sequel to a good movie because you want to go back to that world. You want to revisit those characters. You want to feel like you did again when you saw the first movie. And that's what these these podcasts do by slowing the movie down to one minute at a time for every 15, 20, half an hour um, of podcast. You just get to live in that movie for a lot longer than you would just watching it normally. And that's the experience I get out of listening to all these podcasts that I get to just kind of sit in in the feeling I have of watching my favorite movies and just kind of enjoy it for a while. Uh, my favorite aspect is that most, not all, but a lot of them have uh, listener societies on Facebook where you can talk with like-minded mm. people about crazy theories and things that come up. Uh, I just find that really enjoyable and nice and it has completely revitalized my use of social media. Because uh, that was kind of dying out. Or it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to be on there. I'm going to keep up with things. But, man, I do a lot more, like, talking to people now than I used to because of those. Um, and our podcast has one. It's called the Return to Oz Minute Listeners Flying Sofa. It's a group where you can just come and chat about the movie, about Oz, all sorts of stuff. We'll put in uh, links to some of the interesting stuff that we, we talk about here. Yeah. Like the Return to Oz video game. Ugh. Or your favorite lunchbox. Or a rock that looks like a gnome. Thank you for <laughs> posting the game. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Um, and if you aren't ready for that, which you should. It's just a Facebook group, guys. It's fine. Um, we also have the website, returntoozminute.com, which has episodes and bios and guest lists and all that stuff <laughs> everything you could want mm -hmm. and it has a second back entrance which is the same as the front entrance weogtiogpiog.com yeah so check us out there have a great weekend and then come back on monday to find out why my notes for next monday are in all capital letters <laughs> oh yeah, boy it's, it's a good time uh, in the meantime, Weog. Teog. Heog. 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 Heog.